0: Welcome to Rutten Radio. Rutten Radio is a monthly podcast. We bring you the first Wednesday of the month with the Rutten Brothers. Father Paul Rutten, pastor of St. Mary Church in Sioux Falls. Father John Rutten, pastor of St. John Paul II Parish in Harrisburg. And Joe Rutten, professor and director of the Benedictine Institute for Leadership, Ethics, and Social Justice at Mount Marty College. Let's join them now for a little faith, family, and plenty of fun.
1: Good morning, Rockstars. You're listening to Rutten Radio on the Real Presence Network, Uh, coming to you live, kind of live. Yeah, live from Sioux Falls, South Dakota. And I'm your host, Joe Rutten, joined as always by my fantastic, outlandishly awesome. Tremendously terrific. <laughs> what did Brothers, you do? Brothers, priests, <laughs> Father John and Father Paul Rutten. How are we doing, wow. fellas?
2: You actually don't sound like you did something wrong, you're trying to prep us for. You might <laughs> I mean, actually mean that. Yeah, yeah it was uh, authentic. <laughs> well, it well.
1: came from an interior place. It was uh, yeah. meant meaningful and uh,
3: doing sincere. Doing well. What have you been up to, Father Paul? Uh, well, we just celebrated being a blue ribbon school. Yeah, school number two yay, for me. Oh, really? Yay.
1: So you've now been at two schools that are blue ribbon schools. Yeah, what was the first? Meckley Conception in Watertown. Oh, and now. St. Mary. St. Mary. Wow. You just Who's coattail are you riding? Well, I don't know, but um, (laughs) 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 why not, right? That's fantastic. Well, for our listeners out there, we just kind of jump in right away and kind of give a little bit of update of what we've been up to before we jump into the content. So, Father John, what have you been up to?
2: Yeah, we just finished our first journey through the canyon uh, it's a long explanation of what we're doing but we've been taking a journey last couple of years at JP2 parish and this is like a formative opportunity for an evening every other week for adults in the parish to come and to really like look at our life and take a journey um in faith and and believe that faith is relevant to life, but that we need a space in which to look at that. So we did it once, incredible blessings. God is so amazing and people are hungry to know God's real. Imagine That's what that. I noticed. People are hungry to know God is real. Isn't, uh, how does the
1: church do, uh, typically in helping people encounter that reality? <laughs> <It depends. laughs> yeah. Oh, I think we have a topic for yeah. our show today. <laughs> oh, what have you been day. up to? Oh, oh, yes, 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 <laughs> on to other things. What have I been up to? Well, I, what happened? I, I had like to? a busy October. October was like chaos, in a good way, uh organized chaos. But I had uh, a. Uh, working with Mount Marty, we started a three-day executive formation program for for business executives and organizational leadership. It was fantastic. It was really, really mm-hmm. outstanding. Um, I think we found something or discovered something. Oscar Romero has – there's a prayer uh, that Oscar Romero – it's called the Oscar Romero Prayer. And it says programs don't accomplish the kingdom. Basically mm-hmm. saying like, you know, the, the, the work of Christ isn't a program, right? Mm-hmm. Um but yet, there is a means by which you do have to package and facilitate the, an encounter with the mission, and I think we found something really cool here. So anyway, we had a, we had some great business executives and leadership on that, and then two weeks later, I took uh, sixty-five sophomores from Mount Marty to uh, the Rocky Mountains on the to the summit expedition, our inaugural sophomore leadership retreat, and it was spectacularly awesome. Um, and so that's been, uh, pretty busy. And then I did a men's retreat. So kind of eight October was chaos. You gave uh, a men's retreat? Or I you did. Went, a I, men's did. Retreat. I gave a men's hmm? retreat on the road to Emmaus.
3: Oh, and, uh, oh I mean, you can give retreats, huh? Oh, yes. It hey, doesn't you know he take gave a just retreat, uh, well, when I was at the Conception in Watertown. He did, well, I did I did a women's
1: retreat. A men's retreat. That's right. At yeah. The, uh, yeah, the yeah, the women's was at the uh, yeah. yes, you don't it doesn't require a collar to uh, lead people spiritually, although it does help to have some of the formation that came with that collar. Yes. I got half of it. So I've got 4 years behind me in seminary, but um I just share from my experience. I'm no guru. I just kind of mm-hmm. communicate with people as the Lord yep. moves me and So I had a good man's yep. retreat. Great. So that's what I've been up to. Well, gentlemen, we typically kind of divide our show in half, and we have a uh, faith and culture section where we talk about a movie of the month, and then we extrapolate a theme out of that for the second half hour. So if you're out there listening, you can interact with us on Facebook. You can follow us. Get the app on your phone. If you don't have it in your phone, I'm always amazed at how many people are actually listening. If you're out there listening, yeah. hit us up right yeah. now. We'll, just, we'll, just,
2: boom, I think boom. we got to start back up the... uh no, shout outs? Out. Yeah, the shout outs. Because yeah, yeah, yeah. people oh, don't, you know, they used to always right? say, Hey, I'm listening. I'm listening. Right. Like, Alex do a I, Like, he's probably yeah. like, Well, I've been
1: listening, but I no longer uh, think you guys credit. care about me. Or, yeah. You know, yeah.
2: like, people want, you know, people want to. Don don't Altman that, from right, the parish. He moved right, to Texas. Right. Now he's got Rutten Radio on in Texas. You and maybe can, even
3: Archbishop Gullickson in over in Lichtenstein. Archbishop Stein Gullickson, or
1: something. are you listening? Yeah, uh, you, are you never know. Hit us up if you're listening. Let us know. Give us a like on Facebook
2: or. You know, I wonder if mom's listening. Let's not tell her. Don't tell her. See if she listens. You all think? Right, I, right. I know Mom. she like backlogs a lot of t- You know, yeah. most people she backlogs. So we'll and see. And if you do a backlog,
1: uh, you can uh, listen to us in all of our monthly podcasts here on the Real Presence <laughs> Network
2: <laughs> app on your phone. Uh,
1: so that's where we're housed. Right in between Father Mike Schmitz and Bishop Robert Barron. It's a fantastic place to find the Brothers Rutten.
2: By the way, it just occurred to me, mom's response to all of this is going to be, yes, I listen to you and I respond to you. I call you every day and you don't answer. <laughs> (laughs) (laughs) lord have mercy and we're all christ have
3: mercy lord have mercy
1: well let's take a look here at uh our movie of the month um we've got it we've got an interesting one out there out there for you um I'm not even sure, like before I even say the name, maybe we need to give a disclaimer.
2: <laughs> it's no, not you don't typical. need to give it before the name because it's not five typical. people have told me it's an awesome movie. So really, nobody has told me that there's a disclaimer. So we shouldn't have to do a disclaimer. before well, the Well, title, there is a disclaimer needed for
1: your children because uh, there is <laughs> yeah. content, which is uh, definitely not appropriate for it's from the Northeast. Uh, so children. that's yeah. Right, but uh, so anyway, Manchester by the Sea, we give an adult disclaimer to it. So with that, take it for what it's worth. Father Paul, would
3: you introduce us to (laughs) Manchester by the Sea? The basic plot, Lee Chandler is a brooding, irritable loner who works as a handyman for a Boston apartment block. One damp winter day, he gets a call summoning him to his hometown north of the city. His brother's heart has given out suddenly, and he has been named guardian to his 16-year-old nephew, as if losing his only sibling and doubts about raising a teenager weren't enough, his return to the past reopens an unspeakable tragedy. Dun dun dun. Mm. There we go. Ooh. It was an interesting movie, right, Father John?
2: <laughs> I'm not sure. I don't know what to say.
3: I, what was the text? You that know, you who selected who, it? I did. Father, you Paul, did. Oh, nice. How
2: yeah. did you come to select it? That would be. <laughs>
3: This is great. So I was at Bagel Boy one day, uh, and I'm like, we well, need to find a movie. And our you know, problem is always we're cheap, so we're not going to pay for it. So <laughs> I went on to Amazon Prime, and I'm like, Amazon Prime movies uh, to watch. Uh, and it was like all these movies, and I'm like, and then I saw Manchester by the Sea, and I'm like, hey, let's try that. So then I thought about it, and then John came up with Inside Out. So we did Inside Out instead, but then... Our great sound man, Kevin, said, oh, that's a great movie. You should do that movie. Uh, so then I took that as a sign that I should do the movie.
2: And then when we said it, or I said it, or somebody said it with Father Samson and yep. Father Zimmer, then it sort of like became a thing, too. Right, and Father right. Jordan loves this movie. Oh, really? Right. loves this movie. Really? It's deeply moving to him. Oh, this and is great. Let's so I'm just in. thinking, oh, dig Here we in. Go. So, so my, my response to it is this, and then I'll let you guys talk. I have no idea what to say. Hmm. Right.
1: Is Father John speechless? Is that what he just said? Well, you know, this is interesting. Uh, Here we go. Into the water. I quickly discovered that it's about ordinary people in ordinary places in ordinary times, having very normal experiences that are human that all of us to some degree could relate to. Although it's a little crass and vulgar, a little kind of it's normal. This is, I think, the way people live ad nauseum Mm -hmm. throughout America and probably throughout the world. But I stopped and I thought, well, it's Casey Affleck who's producing it and acting in it, so it's got the goodwill hunting East Coast Bostonian vibe to it, right? Um, And so then there's a little more vulgarity and crassness necessary, right, because it's, you know, the Boston. But at the heart of it, I thought, well, this is a lot of my life in some way too. I could throw myself in there at any number of times in my life and said, you know what? Um, I could, I could be right there with him, and lots of my friends would would identify with him. And I thought, this is David Foster Wallace. David Foster Wallace has this epic poem, this reflection called This Is Water. And if you haven't watched This Is Water, you that should be the next thing that we discuss. But it just is about the environment and culture that people swim in, that they don't know Mm. they're swimming in it. And so it's two fish swimming in a a fish tank and saying, what the hell's water? (laughs) (laughs) They're not attentive or aware to the thing that they're swimming in, Mm -hmm. right? And so this is people's lives. And I just felt like, are we attentive to the water that we're swimming in? And I thought, yeah, this is a process of becoming aware to the reality of the circumstances of our lives. And that's what his character did. He slowly over time became more aware of his brokenness, of other people's brokenness, of his responsibility to life, his ability to accept to the responsibilities of life, for better, for worse, his failure to do that. I thought it was kind of a brilliant movie by the time I got done with it. But boy, did it take me about an hour to get into it before I thought, oh, yeah, I kind of I dig this thing. Um, I don't know if I'm Father Jordan Sampson, if I'd put it up on my top, top list, but Father
3: Paul, what else you got on it? I think what made it hard was there, it wasn't like most movies where it's very succinct. It's very clear. Like here's where it's going. Uh, And there were moments where I'm like, what is this movie about? (laughs) Uh, And I really was like, okay, uh, and I think that was part of the importance of the movie was how many times do you just stop in your life and you're like, how did I get here? Hmm. And like, where am I going? Like, what am I doing? Like, what, what? Hmm. And I think what happened in the movie you saw then, though, these sort of flashbacks, which sort of helped you understand how Lee got to where he was today, uh, in the midst of it all, uh, that that I do think was important. I think for me, the biggest theme that ran through it was grief uh, and how we really don't know what to do with it and rarely have ways in which we can really uh, process it, you know, um, like, because we can't always name it, you know, so uh, they can't, for whatever reason, they can't bury they can't bury the guy because it's too cold and they won't let him put machinery out in the cemetery. So they had to put him on ice. And his son is like mortified by this. He just can't like, and he can't explain it. And you know, then there's the scene, he opens the freezer and the the chicken falls out and he has a nervous breakdown. Like the chicken falls, (laughs) you know, Uh, but he doesn't know. He can't name it. He doesn't like, he's like, Uh, and Lee's no help Uh, because he doesn't know how to deal with his own grief and like this real reality that so many people have had things happen either to them or they've done and they haven't been able to really process through it, find any sort of redemption, Hmm. uh, find any meaning, any purpose. And so it's just, it's, it's the water they're swimming in. Right. And it's just all of this stuff. And so our solution is we leave it. So he doesn't want to be in Manchester. Because Manchester reminds him of all of these things that he didn't know what to do with or how to deal with them. And so he just is going to stay away. You know, there's the scene and, and he's like, we're, we're going to move to Boston. And the kid's like, why Boston? You're, you're a janitor. He's like, you can live anywhere. <laughs> right. Like, why do we have to move? I don't want to move. You can live anywhere. You can do be a janitor anywhere. Well, he doesn't want to have to live in this. Right. You know, he doesn't want to have to deal with. Those things in the midst of it all. Um, and then we discover, like, oh my gosh, like the tragedy. Like the real tragedy that Lee is dealing with. It's like, holy cow. Like, how do you reconcile? Right, and he is spoil not Spoiler alert, right?
2: Yeah, spoil this as a spoiler alert. His
3: house with his kids in it. Like, how do you ever forgive yourself? And that was that incredible line, right there. So he's at the police station and they're asking him what happened. And he explains it The you know, we couldn't turn on the furnace because the furnace dries out my wife's, you know, sinuses. And so then I started a fire uh, and it was cold. And I went to the store to get some groceries in the middle of the night. And I forgot to put the screen on, you know, and they're like, well, it was an accident. We're not going to crucify you. Right. The cops, the investigators. Right, And I think it, and
1: he wants to be crucified. crucified. Mm-hmm. But like, how do you ever live with yourself? Right. Right. This mm-hmm. is the great, the great secret or whatever. The, the thing that's revealed in the movie is that this is the reality at the beginning. They don't tell you this. Right. And, and the hot, as he comes back to the 16 year old kid's reality, everybody else in that uh, community says, Oh, that's Lee. Oh yeah. oh, that's Lee, right, and it's like they're all like pointing to something that you, as the person watching it disclaimer right d- doesn't yet know, and that is that previously in this man's history, he burnt down his house he's responsible for the destruction of his home with his two children in it, and three. him and his three three children, three children yeah. him and his wife survive right um, and so then how do you go on living right? How do you continue? Accepting responsibility for life and finding any meaning or purpose to it. And what I got from that was that he's ill-equipped as well. He has not received a connection between his inheritance, his tradition, spiritually or family that allows him to deal with this type of a magnitude of a tragedy. And so, for instance, there's a juxtaposition where... There's another character in the movie that has a religious tradition that she practices and she believes and she prays and they pray before the meal and she says amen and these types of things. And in contradiction to that character, Lee says, "Oh, but but you know we're Catholic too. We're we're Christians too." And he's like, "Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah." Well, there is no abil- he has no integration of the Christian faith in him at all right he has no capacity he's never been equipped from his faith tradition to deal with the realities of these this life but his tradition his catholic christian tradition gives him all of the tools that he needs to deal with this tragedy but he has never been brought into the tradition he's never had a relationship that formed him in the tradition and so it's this so he swims in this water of agnosticism or of materialism he swims in the general direction that most of america a large percentage of America is growing. In today,
2: uh, I have something to offer. Oh, <laughs> uh, she that that Christian woman. Uh, it was interesting to me, and that, and that this was, came out in conversation. So the mother, the mo- his mother, who had left him long ago, mm-hmm. the sixteen year old, the sixteen year old boy's mother, who had left him long ago, the orphan boy, uh, is brought over to her home, and she's got this husband and picture of Jesus and stuff. And she has a tradition, right? She has this faith and it was interesting how, even though she had all the external signs That he didn't have, nobody else had. She also hadn't integrated it because in the moment in which she was like so false to herself, it was such a tight environment. Like you could just I was like (laughs) suffocating just from the scene, you know? You're like, oh my gosh, this is what people think Christians are. Right. And then I'm like, oh, but people think that's what Catholics are, (laughs) you know. And I'm like, both of these are missing the the presence of God who has come to save us and redeem us. And you can see it because she has to leave the room and what you assume is she went back to drinking again. That she pulled out of the fridge alcohol because she couldn't look at herself or cope with this situation Mm -hmm. here. And it just cries for the need for redemption. And in the scene where... Lee Chandler comes back to the city, um, everyone's sort of against him. They sort of like are whispering about him and he can't get a job and, and everybody. But and the temptation is to think that somehow they're bad. That who's we need bad? the people. We need to get this town to embrace him or we need to get the town to sort of like, does that make sense? I think yeah. that would be a common way of looking at things. Yeah, they need more kind, charitable, open, yeah. hospitable, welcoming. But the truth of the matter is, uh, they already offered that to him. And he rejected it. That's what happened in the police station was the right. community wanted right. to say, you are loved. Okay. You, yeah. we, don't, we aren't going to crucify you. And so his internal disposition is the problem. And if he could come to a place of mercy for himself, he could live with all those people in a way in which he would change them. And he would help them. And I felt like the his wife or ex-wife maybe had the most possibility of anybody in the movie. She seemed to be the most on a path with the baby carriage. Yep, she has yep, the new yep, baby. Yep. And she sort of seemed to really be grappling with herself in a way that I thought, well, I think someone might have a little something.
3: Yeah. Uh, no, right. absolutely. But it, it was a really hopeless. Her. It was a
1: difficult... Yeah. 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 yeah, and he rejects her again. That's fascinating. This might even be something for, for further. What are the internal dispositions that block us from allowing redemption to happen in our life? Right? And it happened to me last night, right? So I'm getting an uh, interesting dialogue with my spouse Is yesterday. that what we call them? Dialogues. Okay. Um, Your
2: spouse will be listening. <laughs> yes.
1: And, you know, she knows something's wrong with me. Oh, right. Yeah. Like she knows, you know, what's the deal, what's Mm -hmm. going on. Right. Um, you know, everything in my, now I might even not want to take 100% responsibility, but the reality is, is that I know something within me is the problem. Right. But, I I got something that is blocking me <laughs> from <laughs> from being able to look inside. It, my emotions are way out of whack. The emotions want to dominate. I get this paralysis. I want to point fingers. All of these little things. But in a very small way, my internal disposition uh created a block or was blocking me from receiving the redemption of that moment. Right. Yep. I couldn't live in forgiveness with my wife. I couldn't be in front of my ink my lack of charity and kindness i and that's just a small little piece of my life but it's the same reality that he was experiencing on this grand scale in his own and i think it's you know for our listeners out there where are those little areas of our lives where man when they come up it's like boom it's like hitting a brick wall but it's an internal thing that we're wrestling with but our first my first reaction is point the finger <laughs>
4: right
1: somebody else is a, is the problem here right yep. Yep. and yet at the middle of it here the police officer is at the station saying this isn't your fault this isn't your fault wanting to forgive and redeem and whatever else but the reality is is he did do something mm-hmm. he was he was yep. he was drinking he went to get more beer at three in the morning from the gas station. He thought about the fact that he might not have covered up the fireplace on the way and said, "Oh, it'll be mm. fine," and
2: still kept yeah. going. Yeah, like can you imagine all- the torture of that thought. Right, and tell me
1: that people in your lives, you, you yourselves, that we don't have little things like this in our own lives. Yeah, things
3: you can't change that
1: that we wrestle with and struggle with. But but are we opening ourselves up? Are we vulnerable? Do we have a place where we can? can allow Christ you know just that crack to let him in to bring redemption to that point and then the freedom and healing that comes from that boy that's powerful right so that's just my own little experience I still have to wrestle with last night mm-hmm. in relationship to my block from allowing Christ sure. re- to redeem that yeah. so
3: whoo baby this is there's a lot <laughs> yeah I <laughs> so, no, so there's f- I mean there's, uh, the other thing that I realized is I what I found about the movie that was frustrating was I, I don't know what the solution is. You know, like, the the church had no redeeming quality in this one. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like, unlike Gran Torino, where that priest just nagged and nagged and nagged and nagged and nagged, this is more real. Like, this is how these people are treated. Like, you come to the church for whatever it is you need, <laughs> and the church accepts that this is the relationship we're in. You leave and we go back to doing our church things. But there's lots of people I've buried and married and baptized, and I'm not going after them who need to find Jesus. <laughs> you know, So I'm like thinking to myself, wow, yeah. Now, should I be going after them? I don't know. But this reality that the church was there, but it was just incredibly ineffective mm-hmm. in these people's lives, uh, partially by their own choice. But I just kept thinking in Gran Torino that that priest was like, persistent because the wife said, you get him to go to convention, you know, Mm -hmm. like, so they had, he had this mission, this like connection in the midst of it. Um, But Patrick also had some standards, which was so bizarre, you know? So the kid, uh, uh, no, Patrick's the kid. He's sleeping with these girls. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. And then Lee's like, he's like, well, can (laughs) Sylvia stay over? And he's like, no, I don't like her. What? What? Like I'm like what like, you, you make a judgment, but, but he made a judgment. Hmm. Something in her, I, I just don't like her. Something in her, I don't, I don't think she's good for you. Okay,
1: uh, right. Sixteen year old kid sleeping with two separate girlfriends, right. That probably don't know the other one no, is the girlfriend. Right. And Patrick's gonna all of a sudden weigh in on whether or not one of them can and come over, and he won't let
3: her, <laughs> and he does it. Like how bizarre. Like he makes this judgment. Okay. Uh and the dad presumably was okay with all of it, you know, so like mm-hmm. how I'm mean, like, okay, well, welcome to, you know, life. Uh but it does show that we we do make judgments. Um why he chose that thing to be a judgment, why he decided to say it, Oh, well, I don't know. Um and, and how where are
1: we heading? We've uh, got a couple of minutes here left in the first half hour, and then we can roll over into the second half hour of some of these themes. But as we wrap up, Manchester by the Sea. I wish I could do a great Bostonian accent. Like I don't really know my Irish accent, but Casey Affleck, Manchester by the Sea. it's a, It's an interesting movie, definitely. It's not maybe typically of what we've done as movie reviews, but there's a lot of substance there, I think, for just ordinary people in ordinary circumstances at ordinary times. In need of redemption. Final thoughts on the movie as we kind of wrap up the first half hour.
2: Uh, the, the reason I think I most had troubles with it was the scene where they go to the hospital and everybody's standing in the hospital. Mm-hmm. I felt like was not real. I couldn't accept that that's the way people would respond. And so I just had like this. Sure. Uh, everybody was so flat. I yeah. thought, wouldn't somebody be weeping? Wouldn't somebody be angry? Wouldn't somebody be... And they're all like, hmm. And now maybe if I watched it again, that would integrate. But as I look at it all, and I said it after we watched the movie, I said, I just don't like... As opposed to like in the police, you know, he, he sort of sure. had a real v- sure. contrast. Uh, so I think that's one of the things. I just was set off and thought, What? Anyway, that's just an obs- yeah. that's just my observation. I, so, but yeah. I can see now, listening yeah. to all you, it was a real movie.
3: And maybe you know, again, some of that I, I thought would be the processing of it. Like, how do you process something like this? Uh, how do you process something when you've not been in relationship with somebody? Uh, I, you know, I and
1: know. I would imagine that uh, you fellas see that every once in a while in people's lives as you encounter. Uh, these circumstances of life death and resurrection it's been the great first half hour of the show it flies by we hope that you'll join us here as we listen to uh, our sponsors at the break
0: you're listening to Rutten radio on the rpr network don't go anywhere we'll be back with more of the Rutten brothers after these messages
5: my name is Carol Orrin, and I'm from Sioux Falls, South Dakota My daughter, Tara, is attending Mount Marty College. The thing that I really love is that whether you're in sports or not, it's like a family. Everyone cares for every sport, for every athlete, for every student. They also do fun activities. The community as a whole in Yankton, as far as giving discounts to the students, really making them feel welcome and makes them feel a part of their community.
2: Lead. Serve. Impact at Mount Marty College.
6: My name is Brad List. I'm the father of Nathan List. He started at Mount Marty in 2016. This is a gem underneath their nose that most kids in Yankton don't even realize is there. They don't understand what Mount Marty offers as a school. They offer as helping plan for your future. For example, they're helping Nathan with internships. They're you know, looking at what kind of jobs can you get. It's good to be close to home. You don't have to come home, but you know it's always there.
2: Lead. Serve. Impact at Mount Marty College.
0: This is Rutten Radio on the Real Presence Radio Network. Now, back to more faith, family, and fun with the Rutten Brothers.
1: And welcome back to Rutten Radio here on the Real Presence Network. We had a fantastic hour with the Brothers Rutten. Half hour. Half hour. Did I say it? It felt like an hour. It felt like an hour? No, it felt like five minutes. Uh, With Brothers Rutten, Father Paul, Father John, and myself, Joe Rutten, and we are... Talking about Manchester by the Sea, a uh, fantastic movie. I think we came to assess it was better than we first started out thinking it was in our first half hour of the Faith and Culture section. And now as we roll over into our second half hour, kind of talking about some of those themes and, and, and some of the the insights that we gained from the movie that we might kind of extrapolate a little bit on, brothers. Uh, what's what's something that jumps out at you to say, you know what, we should plunge into this a little bit more.
2: I'm just going to say my part and then you guys will have to go back and forth until I'm provoked again. Uh, The thing I'm really provoked by is my willingness to look at somebody, look at something through someone else's eyes. When I was done with the movie, I was like, what? But Father Jordan Sampson was so moved by this. I asked him if I could talk about this. I'm not saying anything out of place, but he was deeply moved by this movie the first time, deeply moved. And the second time, he was deeply moved by this movie. And so when I was done, instead of imposing my gruffness on the whole situation, I just was like allowed his I wanted to what what made you fascinated? And I just let go of my thing and sort of wanted to see it through his eyes. And I think uh, it's a blessing to have a willingness by God's grace to say, Oh, someone I trust is interested in something. I wonder why they're interested in something right. and just let go of me having to explain myself. Mm. And, um, so I was really grateful for him.
3: Father Paul. Yeah. I mean, I guess I continue to think from this perspective again, like the church's job is to evangelize. And where do you begin? Mm-hmm. Like, like I, I will, you know, like, how do you even begin to impact people's lives? Uh, and how do you live an authentic Christianity that really can stand before these things and know that I don't have to necessarily give them the answers, uh, in a way that's, a, you know, pithy statements and, but to just live with this reality of this is the life that they're living right now. Uh,
1: So where do you begin with the evangelization? If we're to look at this movie and say, this is a movie which involves for the most part an unchurched people dealing with the realities of life, which are ordinary, but extraordinary uh, birth, death, evil, and love, I think are four of the key things that are at the heart of, any narrative, but I think they're found within this thing as well. Um, Where do you begin? We have wonderful programs with the new evangelization. We've talked about it for 20 years. How do you evangelize this situation?
2: Yeah. The the people that this movie represents are never going to find Bishop Robert
3: Barron. (laughs) No, I mean, so this is the question. So where do you begin? I think you begin with yourself. So where, where is redemption happening in me? And then I allow myself to be placed in circumstances Mm -hmm. and situations where it may happen that I do run into someone, you know, in such a way, uh, or that someone that, that, you know, like that does come to church is more on the margin and does have sort of these friends or family members or whatever. Uh, But it begins with. Well, how is Christ redeeming me? How am I living with and allowing myself to be healed and acknowledge all of the things that I wish I would have done differently Mm -hmm. or could have done differently? What does that do
1: with you? How does that help you then in turn minister?
3: Well, I mean, it helps you because you don't come at it with this idea that somehow you don't need the same thing you're offering to them. You know, I think sometimes we can present Christianity in such a way as like, oh, well, for right. all of you people who haven't figured right, it out, right. we're going to show you how you're supposed to live I have, but life. you don't. And if you... Instead, it's like, no, here's the thing. My life is a mess. Most days, this is what, it, what orders it the best. I, I offer it to you. Right. Like, not because I, I'm so, but this is what I need. Like, this is what I need to, to live life and, and to be able to stand before it. And if, if you don't want it, Okay, you know, uh, but as well to be able to say, can I be willing to, to accept that that could be me? There, but by the grace of God, go I. Right, right. And so if it's not done
1: well, maybe looking at it at times where not just the church or just you as priests, but as Christians, when it's not done well, how is it done?
2: So made- I don't I don't know the answer to that, but maybe this'll get around it. Um what when people are helped by even Rutten Radio, right? People aren't gonna be saved by Rutton Radio. Right. I don't need to point to Bishop Barron, but for Rutten Radio, like if people are helped by this, it is possible that something clicks for them. That somehow God uses it as an instrument for them to but in the end, they need a person. They need somebody who is just this person they can always go back to, they can stay with. Like, isn't provides a space for them to work through this recognition that what it is I believe has happened for me is possible for you.
1: So when it's done well, we're communicating what has worked for us, and that has to involve. A, a real life, of a Jesus. real
2: place, a real person. Yeah, absolutely. And this is the, the necessity of the missionary work is actually not first for the person we're going to. The call to mission is first for us to know that we are the people who have received a gift. And we've received a gift because we were in need. And so as we go to other people, that's the secondary effect of it. But the church's missionary work um, isn't for us to go, you know, as you were saying, it's not for us to go out with everything we have. Oh, now here, we're going to give it to you. Um, It's for us to recognize. And when you recognize you have a gift, right, then it happens in a way in which you're not distributing just information, you're distributing yourself, And not everybody has to be for everybody, but even like, I mean, people need a real person. People need a real person. They can call up on the phone and say, this is where I'm at. Or, you know, the person that when you do it wrong, (laughs) doesn't. Yeah, but this involves actual sacrifice and work
1: and commitment and responsibility to other people. That's actually (laughs) hard work. (laughs) So I lived in St. Paul's Outreach households up in the cities for a year before in between I went to. I had a tough high school year, went to college and struggled, took a year off, lived in this Christian household. And St. Paul's Outreach has building relationships as an evangelization tool for Christ. All right, So it's a relationship-based ministry to introduce him to the person of Jesus Christ. And I remember thinking, oh man, this actually requires that I commit to that person. I have to hang out with them. I have to actually even be willing possibly to live with them. They might be invited to live in a household with me. I have to share three meals a week with them. I have to pray with them in the mornings. Like, and I just thought to myself, this is a lot of work. I also realized that I don't like some people and I don't want to minister to them because I don't, I, I, I was very selfish. I'm a selfish person. I think is what I realized. And that evangelization is not a program or a Bible study or like those are tools or tactics but it's a relationship. And this mm-hmm. is that Ro- road to Emmaus retreat that I gave to the fellas. Right. Was that like, it's actually a relationship to people that Christ comes into not the program or the, and boy, I really thought programs were going to be the easier way. They were the easier way, but I don't know if they're the effective way.
3: Right. Because it, it offloads the responsibility. right? You know, it, it offloads it. Like the program is going to save the person. No, no, actually that's, that that isn't mm-hmm.
1: right. You and know, then I could always not pick the phone up if I didn't want to, or not be committed to the you know. Yeah. It just allowed me to be freedom in the bad sense of the word,
3: like from from sure. commitments. The other thing that I think is is a challenge for us is we don't get to decide when grace is gonna break through. And I think this is also this other thing. Like we want it. Like, well, I, I told him about Jesus. Like, wh- why aren't they converted yet? We wanted Lee, the character, to be converted, like, right away. Like, come on. Like, movies are supposed to be in two hours. It all gets wrapped up nice and neat. Mm-hmm. And, it, and it didn't. Mm. But right at the end, they gave us, the, like, the hope, right? He was getting an apartment with a spare bedroom. Yeah. was not that you, a beautiful moment? And if you want, you can come and stay. uh hmm now again like is, is like that's but this ability to to just say patience like patience like these yeah. people like they it doesn't happen overnight uh and so that that willingness to i think again really just take time with people and and realize that you never know when it's going to really happen uh and so are you really willing to just be present uh to people
2: yeah I th- I think we have a great example of it with mom and dad. Uh, I think evangelization, like we're talking about happened on Sunday at three o'clock mm-hmm. at our house for a period of time. Mom and yep. dad changed the way they lived different times and different things. But the number of people that came into that house, because at three o'clock there would be the rosary and then I'm there would be a meal afterward. <laughs> and mom and dad, didn't know if their kids were going to be there. <laughs> right. 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 I think the rule was if you were inside the yard, you had to come in to pray, yep. but you could easily find yourself over at, you know, for Piet's house or further away. <laughs> um, and uh, the people that came there and from that openness came an openness where priests would be able to say, hey, would you open your house to this young lady who's pregnant and doesn't have another option. Would you open your house to this older lady? Would you, the number of people that came through that house and I still meet them here and there. And they'll always make comments about being welcomed. You know, your parents, I could always go to your house. And I think this was a grace. I don't know what that means for me or for more for now, but I can say that was a place in which the church, uh, really reached people. And mom and dad weren't, perfect. They didn't have the, I mean, I think the house was usually clean. We had a clean house. Like, so things were picked up, but yeah. it's not like, you know, they, they're just, yep, come on in. You know, I don't know where the kids are <laughs> or I don't know who's going to be here, but match. we'll pray the rosary three three or we have. had, what was it? The movement of priests, Marian movement of priests, yep. you know, father Goby, And, yep. you know, they had a little something they were looking at. And this is the other thing that I think is important. In evangelization is we need something that we're looking at. So we're not like looking at each other all the time. And, um, and even if it's a video games or if it's, you know, what is people interested in? And le- like, le- let's, look at it together. And then through that, God can show a way in which a conversation can lead to one thing or another thing. But, um, so the
1: relationships, um, for better, for worse, healthy or negative, I think in the movie we saw a little of both. We saw a lot of negative relationships, right. but we did see growth. And it just reminds me that um, sometimes I have to be patient with myself and with others that any small step forward is a small step, is a step forward. Yeah. Um, and that the ability for transformation to occur oftentimes isn't what I expect it to look like. Um, but just the value of committing to relationships is something that really stood out in the movie for better, for worse. I so deeply wanted him to reconcile with his spouse, with his yeah. wife and he wouldn't do. it. <laughs> no. And I just thought to myself, well, that's reality. Mm-hmm. That is the world that we right. live in. Like not just on that or these issues or those issues, but that's humanity, right? And the world isn't a movie. That's a Hallmark card That. But how do we play into that? What would be my response be to that? How am I that person? And just kind of almost doing Lexio Divina, like where you like enter in and do the reading mm-hmm. and put yourself as the different people in the film. Uh, I found that there is a real. What was it about Paul? You might have brought it up, but who is it that we have in our lives that we would turn our children over to, or our relationships right. over to, or our boat, or our house, or our car. Or who's the executive of our will? And you yeah. know, we've buried a father, and so we've went through some of this. And you know, we have. But I just thought, what an amazing thing that this these two brothers, one would die, and then he gives his sixteen year old son to this guy. He doesn't even know it. He shows up in the office with the lawyer, and he's right. like, "What." <laughs> I have what?
3: No, no, (laughs) no,
1: (laughs) no, you know, it's like, but that commitment to relationships and he responds to it. Right.
3: Yeah. And then in the end, again, I mean, there are these moments that like the movie does sort of give you, so they're standing there looking at the chest of guns uh, and it's like, well, we could sell them and buy a motor Mm. Uh, again. That was great. Like These moments where it's like, well, we don't know what's going to happen, but it's just a little, crack to say maybe maybe we can go back to this yeah right
1: and that that's hope right that it doesn't his whole life doesn't have to have converted and be perfect for us to have redemption here that was a small piece of redemption that really made me like the movie because i'm like oh there's a piece here of conversion there's a transformation and it also gives me hope that says i can just work on one place I can work on one thing in front of me. I can do the best I can right here right now with this thing. And I don't have to try and have this expectation of redeeming the world or myself. I'm not even my yeah. own redeemer, right? But what's in front of me right now, Lord, give me the grace to be in front of it to transform me so that I can uh not run from from this, you know, what did you say earlier? You said something earlier about how You know, in the face of this stuff, we have options, and he wanted to run. He wanted to go back to Boston.
3: Yeah, you you know the other thing. Again, this receiving forgiveness is hard. Uh, You know, and and I think as a priest, you can see it as well. Even in the sacrament of reconciliation, like like people still struggle to let themselves be forgiven. Like Christ is wanting to forgive them, and again, I felt sort of like Lee was just struggling. Like, he, in a sense, he couldn't reconcile with his ex wife mm. because he, he didn't feel like he, in a sense, I felt like he didn't feel like he was ever worthy to have her back. And so he wasn't going to let himself because he didn't deserve her back. Right. Because like, he uh, wants to crucify her. But himself. so this real reality, like, that's just humanly. But from a spiritual standpoint, like, are we really letting God mm. forgive us? Like, forgive us.
2: There's uh, really wise elder priests in the diocese who uh, always every confession I think, or every time you have something, it says, have you forgiven yourself? Mm-hmm. Almost always like, have you free always, always yep. like it's, have you forgiven yourself? And I used to think that was sort of like, Oh, get over it. <laughs> you know, yeah. go forgive yourself, you know, but, uh, But I think I had already done it and didn't know what that meant. And so I hadn't connected the importance of it, but it is important. And they need to know the church is proposing it. Even if they don't do it, they need to know that another person is saying, this is important. Have you forgiven yourself? Right.
1: How do you forgive yourself? What kind of... Like, I I think that this is an important topic. I think lots of us in different areas, but I'm certain a multitude of listeners out there have areas of their lives that they're broken in, that they're seeking or have sought reconciliation in. But to simply stop and say, well, forgive yourself. What does that mean? What does that look like? How does that process
2: occur for us? I think it is a moment in which You adhere to an experience of love. At the same time, you make a conscious choice of your will to let go of your measure. You make a conscious... You adhere to an experience of love you have. And I think it looks something like this in a small way. Um, I make a mistake. Okay. And I made a lot of mistakes this brief, you know, you short tempered or you're whatever, you know, I made a mistake recently. Uh, someone called me to account. Um, and in front of that, I sort of had this place inside me where I could say, uh, you, you love me even more than this. And I'm speaking to God, like, and I know that, like, it's in me. You love me even more than this. Um, And somehow it just like my grip lets go of having to solve it, to, to like fix everything that's a result of the chaos I caused or. And you're free. So there's a mental prayer
1: by which you're seeking to encounter an experience of God's love that's greater than the moment of brokenness and you're making a choice to let go Mm -hmm. is it the prayer that transforms and allows it or is it the process or like the steps like what's so you say adhere to an experience of God's love and make a choice to let go finito that's the process.
2: Yeah. I think yeah. when I get in there and try and like, okay, now, no, already. No, right.
1: no, just So it's simple.
2: Um, it's, it's simple, but
3: not easy. And I think that's why the, the, the character of Lee really was, if you, I mean, you could probably analyze the whole movie this way. How many times was he given the chance to see that he was loved? And he kept saying no, mm-hmm. because he didn't know what to do. Like if I if I op- if I let go of this, then what? Mm-hmm. If I receive this, then what? But I think the character constantly—I mean, there was a constant like trying and trying and you know—and maybe it was too much, and so he couldn't do it. And so it was a little thing, you know. <laughs> it was just a little area he could he could let go and be loved. You know, we've talked about this before—the little crack. Right. It began with him allowing the boy to keep the boat. Right. But we sometimes think that it instantly has to be this big canyon. Right. Right. Like Mm -hmm. the minute the crack starts, like everything has to come down and then it's all better. And it's like, well, no, just a little. Gotcha. And then, Mm -hmm. and it's grace. I mean, it's grace. It's it's God's grace in that. So it's his grace that you can realize you're being loved in this moment. It's grace that you've been able to let go. Like, but, but it is a choice. And God respects her freedom, just like everyone else in the movie respected, you know, his ex-wife respected his freedom mm-hmm. and she walked away, mm-hmm. you know, like people. And so to, to be able to respect people's freedom. How important is
1: it to experience God's love through the experience of the love of each other?
2: I- this is what I was going to say is it is possible. God comes in prayer. He comes in a lot of ways. But the dynamic of the Christian truth is that it's a love that, I, that comes through flesh. Right. right. It comes because of a person. I mean, when I came to sobriety uh, and was at the darkest point of my life, I drove straight from the house I woke up in over to Christy Flynn's chrissy flynn was this experience of love she was this place where i could say this is my chaos right and she just listened and so whenever i was like tumultuous or seas seemed to be high i'd just think back and i'd be like ah oh, i'm loved like it right. wasn't some now i did experience god's love eventually and i realized who the father was and that became a fundamental turning point in my life but it's a person
1: Right. And so God is love and Christ's incarnation manifests his love through us. Mm-hmm.
3: Right. And so if we're not aware of it, then <laughs> right. when we confront these people, so when John shows up, you know, then I begin to try to have to fix him quick. Like I have to seize the moment and I have to have the answers and I have to be able to solve his problem instead of just saying, well, I'm just going to listen.
2: Right. Mm-hmm. And, and that would be the final thing I would add maybe is that it is a dynamic where the person is the instrument, but they're not the finality. Right. So sometimes the experience comes through a person and then we try and seize it out of them always, but the person is the instrument to the Father. Jesus said, "He who sees you sees me." And he and Jesus said of himself, "I and the Father are one."
5: Mm-hmm.
2: Right. And "He who sees you sees me." And so if I I need to go to the Father when I meet this mis- mercy in this person. Oh boy. <laughs> Well, if
1: you're out there listening, it's been a fantastic hour here at Rutton Radio as we discuss Manchester by the Sea, the brokenness of humanity, the the wonderfulness that comes with Christian redemption that's experienced and lived out through relationships mm. where we encounter God's love for us and and we seek to know and, and experience his redemption. Uh, I just might encourage all of us out there to ask for that special grace, the grace of the Holy Spirit that we might deeply encounter our brokenness, but that we might be open and strengthened in will to choose uh, to encounter God's love and to let go of those things which keep us from his redemption. Amen. 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 Let us pray the family prayer. Our Father, Father, we we thank you for your love and for your your many blessings, especially
4: especially for for the precious precious gift gift of each other. Help help us us to show our gratitude gratitude by loving each other as you love us. Make make us us understanding understanding and patient with one another, quick quick to admit our failings and ask forgiveness. forgiveness generous in sharing the joy and strength we can give each other. Father, give our family lively faith and the courage to share it with those around us. Direct us to the state and life you plan for each of us,
1: and help us to use your gifts to serve you. We entrust our family to your fatherly care,
4: preserve us from the corruption of the modern world, and help us draw closer daily to you and to each other until we come to share with you the joys of heaven. Jesus, Mary, and Joseph, help Help us to be a holy family. Amen.
1: Thank you for listening to Rutten Radio here on Real Presence Network. We hope that you'll take time to support our sponsors, and we'll see you next month.
0: You've been listening to Rutten Radio on Real Presence Radio. To hear today's episode again, visit our website, yourcatholicradiostation.com, and find it on the Sioux Falls podcast page. You can also find it on our app, under podcasts and special events. And be sure to tune in for more Rutten Radio next month. Rutten Radio, on the Real Presence Radio Network. Prayers of the Faithfully Departed is being brought to you by Paulson Monuments in Canton, South Dakota. We guarantee you will notice the difference.
5: We would like to pray today for the repose of the souls of... Deacon John Cole, Florence Hall, and Roy Northrup. Eternal rest grant unto them, O Lord, and let perpetual light shine upon them. May they rest in peace, amen. May their souls and all the souls of the faithful departed through the mercy of God rest in peace, amen.
0: Prayers of the Faithfully Departed has been brought to you by Paulson Monuments of Canton, South Dakota. Remember a loved one, honor a friendship, create a legacy.
6: My name is Brad List. I'm the father of Nathan List. He started at Mount Marty in 2016. This is a gem underneath their nose that most kids in Yankton don't even realize is there. They don't understand what Mount Marty offers as a school. They offer as helping plan for your future. Example, they're helping Nathan with internships. They're, you know, looking at what kind of jobs can you get. It's good to be close to home. You don't have to come home, but you know it's always there.
2: Lead. Serve. Impact at Mount Marty College.
5: My name is Carol Orrin. And I'm from Sioux Falls, South Dakota. My daughter, Tara, is attending Mount Marty College. The thing that I really love is that whether you're in sports or not, it's like a family. Everyone cares for every sport, for every athlete, for every student. They also do fun activities. The community as a whole in Yankton, as far as giving discounts to the students, really making them feel welcome and makes them feel a part of their community.
1: Lead. Serve. Impact at Mount Marty College.